Hey, aloha and welcome to Stan Energy Man. This week in uh, Think Tech Hawaii, coming to you from beautiful downtown Honolulu. It's uh, another really beautiful day. I'm still kind of getting used to this Tuesday afternoon slot, so um, I'm not all here. Just forgive me because it's, uh, it's tough being retired and getting used to new things. That old, you can't teach an old dog new trick. I think there's something to it. Anyway, as most of you know, I was in the military for quite a bit of my career. And I had to deal occasionally with the United States Department of Energy. And the one thing that, only thing I really knew about the Department of Energy was they handled all the nuclear stuff in the country. So even with the military, it's like they were the nuclear brains of the country. And it, it always made me a little bit nervous whenever I had to work with the United States Department of Energy because it meant nukes, which is scary, which is classified, which is fully mackerel. But after I started working for HCAT in the state of Hawaii, um, I actually learned that there were other parts of the Department of Energy that did really cool stuff that was equally as exciting as nuclear weapons, um, but also really helpful for the environment and our economy and uh, transportation sector and a good clean uh, energy sector. So I got to know some folks up in the Department of Energy in Washington, D.C. And when Rachel James um, left HCAT and we were looking for somebody that could um, fill her rather large shoes, even though she's a petite lady. Um, she had some really big shoes to fill at HCAT. Um, we asked the question, just perchance up in Washington, D.C., if they had anybody that was uh, really capable, that would be uh, willing to move all the way from beautiful downtown Washington, D.C., um, which is miserable in the summertime, in case you didn't know, um, to lovely Hawaii. And to our surprise, one of the sharpest pencils in the box at the U.S. Department of Energy said, mm, yeah, I might be interested, so guess who's my guest today? I've got uh, a nice young lady named Suk Han Chan, who is a Ph.D., was working as an intern for the Department of Energy for a little while, but she's been to Hawaii before. She wants to be here near some family that's, that's going to be living here, and uh, we are really, really fortunate to pick her up. So she's my guest today. And she's going to tell us a little bit about what it's really like to work at the Department of Energy and do some cool things and what she'd like to do here at HCAT, um, where I used to work, um, in the future to help Hawaii meet its green energy goals for 2045. So, Adam, PhD, good to have you here. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. So Thanks for having were, me. I'm so glad you were able to join the HCAT team. Really, that was a super coup on my part to help uh, hire you get you on board so thanks for thanks for being here and thanks for having me Stan, um, and thank you for the kind introduction yeah. yeah and can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself um, and then a little bit about what you did up at uh, Department of Energy yeah sure uh, so let's see I grew up in California and I have a mechanical engineering background um, I attended UCLA for my undergraduate and went to uh, Berkeley for my graduate work where I was first exposed to hydrogen fuel cell technology. Um, part of my uh, PhD work was really looking at uh, the techno-economic benefits of fuel cell systems, uh, particularly combined heat and power fuel cell systems. So uh, fuel cell systems that could, as its name implies, uh, both uh, generate power but also heat, um, whether that's for space or water heating. Uh, so part of it was, um, part of my work looked at really the overall uh, lifetime benefits of fuel cells. Um, so not, not just looking at the, 
you know, technical benefits, but also, you know, the health benefits mm -hmm. as well. And also, as well as, uh, as we know about fuel cells, really the emission reduction benefits. Um, so that was my work, um, my graduate work. And uh, funny enough, it was actually um, funded by the Department of Energy. Um, so I had this sort of, uh, I had a, a very long relationship with the DOE in some ways. Um, so when I was about to graduate, um, the office had come to, came to Berkeley for a meeting. Um, and this is where I was introduced to the office, the folks at the office. And um, the DOE has a really um, nice program uh, where, um, where they offer yet early career scientists um, mm. an opportunity to work in the federal government and find out what it's like um, you know, working in energy policy. Um, so I was brought on as a science, technology, and policy fellow, a research fellow at the DOE FCTO, oh, sorry, at the Department of Energy Fuel Cell Technology Office. So contrary to what Stan said, um, the deal is not all about nuclear. Uh, we do have an Office of Energy Efficiency, Renewable Energy, and the Hydrogen uh, Fuel Cell Technologies Office, or FCTO for short, is within this uh, ERE uh, program. And the office really works on apply R&D, research and development, and innovations to help advance hydrogen and fuel cell technologies. Um, and, okay. So I know that that uh, that opportunity brought you out here to Hawaii to yeah. work with Joe Pratt yeah. uh, and Young Brothers on a project. Could you talk a little bit about that project yeah, and yeah. what you what you learned, what you contributed to that? Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So part of the FCTO's work, um, well, one part of it is really um, to help advance hydrogen fuel cell technologies through technology validation and demonstration. So the hydrogen uh, fuel cell mar maritime fuel cell generated project was uh, funded by the Department of Energy Fuel Cell Technologies Office, um, as well as the Department of Transportation um, Mar Maritime Administration. Um, mm -hmm. And the goal of that work was really to um, well, demonstrate fuel cells in a maritime setting, and also to show whether, um, to show that fuel cells could help increase energy efficiency, as well as reduce um, greenhouse gas emissions at the ports. And I got involved with that work actually um, during, um, as a graduate student, I, I was an intern at Sandia National Laboratory. Uh, so I worked with Dr. Joseph Pratt, um, who led the project. And I did a lot of um, data analysis for the system. Um, and we were able to show that actually the hydrogen fuel cell maritime generator uh, can increase efficiency up to 30% in comparison to a diesel generator. And also, as well as reduce emission to zero sure. with the hydrogen you guys, yeah. HCAT was applying uh, to the generator, which is produced from solar um, energy. So, yeah, and also, actually, as a matter of fact, that maritime fuel cell generator is the first of a kind in the world um, using fuel cells for, mar for maritime applications. And it really paved the way for a wider adoption of technology, as we see now with you know, Dr. Joseph Pratt, he's building his own ferry, and a lot of countries like Norway um, is really leading the way, uh, leading the path for really developing fuel cells, uh, using fuel cells for maritime applications. Yeah, I saw that Norway was um, actually yeah. designing a liquid hydrogen yeah. ship, yeah. yeah, and they were looking at using liquid hydrogen, liquid hydrogen for their yeah. island cities yeah. that uh, they want to take off coal. Yep. 
Yeah. And so was that part of the projects that you worked with uh, the DOE on? Uh, no, so no, we, so at the DOE actually, um, maritime um, fuel cell is one of our interests. Uh, DOE recently um, had their maritime uh, or H2 at ports workshop, hydrogen mm -hmm. at ports workshop earlier this month actually, uh, really to look at the different technical challenges and barriers of you know, fuel cells for maritime applications as well as identifying some of the really uh, regulatory barriers, safety, mm -hmm. codes, and standards involved with using hydrogen um, in the maritime sector. So it's really, it's, it's taking off. Uh, folks all over the world are looking at hydrogen uh, as a result of actually um, the international maritime organizations, um, really more stringent, um, really greenhouse gas, um, really reduction strategy for mm -hmm. the maritime sector. Yeah. So, so did the fuel cell office at Department of Energy have a lot of interface with any particular national labs? I mean, you mentioned huh. Sandia. Yeah. Is, was, is there any one or two national lab that kind of focuses on the hydrogen effort? Oh, actually, so actually every one of them, we worked with um, all the national labs out, out there. I know I mentioned Sandia, but they're not the only national, national lab we worked with. So national, uh, sorry. Uh, NREL, National Renewable Energy Laboratory, uh, San Diego, Argonne National Lab, mm -hmm. many, many. So we worked with every single lab, uh, national laboratory to advance, you know, the hydrogen fuel cell technologies. Yep. Yeah, one of the things that we were looking at, I believe it was, uh, what's the uh, national lab uh, on the East Coast, I think in Virginia, was it, um, anyway, I, the name escapes <laughs> me, but we were looking at working with them on um, pressurized tubing it was fiber reinforced tubing yeah. that they had done the research on um, storing hydrogen or moving hydrogen in this tubing because there's uh, issues with embrittlement in some metal pipelines mm -hmm. that move hydrogen. And so they were, they were doing this. Um, and we were looking at uh, working with them to use it in the water, yeah. to use it as storage, use fiber reinforced tubing right. in water yeah, right. to keep the temperature constant yeah. and to um, maybe even couple it with. Um, some kind of uh, heat transfer, like a, a Rankine cycle, or yeah. some kind of uh, um, of uh, using waste heat and cooling, or yeah. or air conditioning by putting this stuff in water. Because around here, the water temperature is like in the seventies, mid 70s, 75, 78 yeah. degrees. That's air conditioning temperature. I mean, you could actually use uh, hydrogen and keep circulating it around, and it's a great yeah. heat transfer yeah. uh, medium. So we we're looking at trying to mm. do that and. Um, the national labs are always willing to help, but funding was always a challenge. Yeah, no, yes, yeah, funding is always a big challenge. Uh, but yeah, really, each of the national labs have really their own uh, expertise and capabilities. So really, everyone had a part in, you know, doing it um, in their work to advance the technology. Mm. Yeah. So you moved out here to Hawaii a couple of weeks yes. ago. And you look like a local because <laughs> a lot of people here look just like you. Yeah. How do you how do you feel like you're fitting in so far? Yeah, it's been great so far, actually. I've really enjoy um, Hawaii. Uh, it's a very different place from DC. Mm -hmm. um, I hear the I, rents about the same. Yeah, right? unfortunately, yeah, cost of living it's about the same. Uh, but no, it's been great. I I love the weather. I love the nature out here. You know, being able to go hiking every weekend. It's fun. Um, also, the nice thing is, you know, now I could walk and bike in the street without have you know having drivers try to hit me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is a nice DC change. Can be pretty yeah, no, okay, yeah. So mm -hmm. no, I'm really excited to be here. Um, I also have family in town, so it's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
So at the National Labs, there's so much going on. And with the change of administration, and there was a lot of angst about funding and things yeah. like that. Do you think that um, on the federal side, that's kind of settled down now and maybe some of the fear factor is gone or is there still some tension there? Uh, I, mean, I think there's always tension. I mean, you know, every with different, I mean, actually there's a quote I really like that our, my director used to tell me, the only thing that's constant is change in the federal government and it's so true. Um, so, you know, so with every administra administration change, there will always be, you know, tension. Um, but, you know, we just sort of work our way, you know, we work with the tension, right? It's about um, doing what you have doing the best you have with what you have. Um, so yeah, um, so with the, we, you know, we also, besides the National Lab, we also partner a lot with the industry, academia, mm -hmm. really to help advance our work. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do think that it's, um, yeah, this, with the administration, because, you know, there's always gonna be some sort of political change. So yeah, yeah we just have to work our way, you know, with it. Yeah. Know? So. As you've, you've kind of experienced since, you know, finishing up uh, your PhD, you've done a couple years in, um, you know, in the industry or with the industry yeah. through the Department of Energy. Yeah. Have you kind of noticed a more dramatic shift towards hydrogen in the, in the industry, in the, on the world stage? Because, I mean, I've been doing it for maybe 10 yeah. years or so, and it's just always seemed to be a struggle, but it just seems like in the last maybe 24 months to 36 months, yeah. we've, we've gotten some momentum and some bigger players that seem to be pushing hydrogen and countries around the world that are really seeing the advantages to hydrogen. Are you seeing the same thing from your level? Yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely, yes. Um, you know, while when I was in grad school, you know, I was working on hydrogen fuel cell technology, there was definitely less traction back then. Uh, but in the recent, I would say, few years, um, there, we have seen hydrogen really um, just picking up, picking, uh, picking up momentum in a number of technologies, especially in the heavy-duty space. Um, mm -hmm. I think while I was doing my PhD work, even 10 years ago, I, I think using hydrogen fuel cells for heavy-duty application was really not, not um, non-existent. Uh, but in the recent years, you know, you learn about the, the benefits of fuel cells for, you know, heavy-duty transportation applications, right? Um, whether that's longer range, uh, efficiency, things like that um so you know in in the you know buses uh, as mm -hmm. well as in trucks classic uh, trucks yeah classic yeah. trucks yeah even now in rail germany uh, recently unveiled their hydrogen train system so uh, i definitely see a lot of potential for hydrogen technologies uh, in the heavy duty space um, great yeah great. well we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back in 60 seconds to talk to uh on about some, uh, some things she's got in mind for HCAP in the future here. Aloha, this is Rob Hack. My show is Exporting from Hawaii every other Thursday from 12 to 12.30 p.m. where I bring in people involved in the entire exporting infrastructure in Hawaii, including government, academia, and manufacturers and shippers themselves. Please join me every other Thursday, 12 to 12.30 p.m. on Exporting from Hawaii. Mahalo. Aloha, I'm Jane Sawyer with the Small Business Administration and one of your hosts for Adventures in Small Business, a partnership with ThinkTech and with the Hawaii Small Business Development Center, the Mink Center for Business and Leadership, 
and the Veteran Business Outreach Center, all serving small businesses in Hawaii and telling you the story about their strategies, their ideas, their drive, and the way they help Hawaii succeed and be a bright light in small business. You'll find it here every Thursday at ThinkTech. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you soon. Hey, welcome back to Stan, the energy man here. Stan Osterman from Deep Retirement. I'm coming in on my Tuesday to, to make sure that I can cover the, the chair here and make sure we keep you up to speed on everything energy, especially hydrogen. So we're talking to Han, our new project manager at HCAT. And we're so fortunate to have picked her up from the Department of Energy and the great experience that she got while she was there and the exposure she got to the industry, to the international industry and, and the U.S. industry. Because U.S. Department of Energy, they don't just work inside the U.S. They definitely uh, network outside the U.S. And uh, they're, they're trying really hard to uh, promote. In fact, last year or maybe a little a year and a half ago, um, Sunita Satyapal, who, who runs the hydrogen section at Department of Energy, um, started working uh, with a group called the Hydrogen Council, which is a newly established, they started in January 2017, and they're an international organization of uh, large companies like Shell Oil, Total Oil, um, Air Liquide, Air Gas, uh, Honda, Toyota, Kawasaki, um, just there was probably 50, I think there were around 50 companies they're engaged there now, Plug Power, um, Hydrogenics. They're all big major players in energy and in hydrogen. And they were brought together uh, by Sunita Satyapal, the, the PhD that runs the hydrogen section at the Department of Energy. Um, and that organization, uh, coupled with Department of Energy, and is really, they've got an international um, group uh, at the Department of Energy now that works in conjunction with these international players. And uh, the world is taking off. And I know not too many people are seeing it, but I can tell you that uh, the two folks sitting here at the table today, we see it. And uh, get your checkbook out and start investing in these hydrogen companies, because if you want to be on the front end of the wave, it's coming, and uh, it's coming quick. So, so tell us a little bit more about some of the, the things you've seen happen recently that make you say, hey, this is really taken off. Huh. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, a lot of momentum has, uh, at least we're seeing, is a lot in the, a lot of momentum in the heavy-duty space. I mentioned trucks, rail, um, you know, uh, buses earlier. Um, we have seen that actually fuel cell buses um, really have the potential to double um, the range um, of its electric, battery electric counterparts. Mm -hmm. um, so in the heavy duty space, but uh, beyond that, um, as well as, it, it, as well as forklifts, um, you know, hydrogen fuel cells are now commercialized, uh, fuel cell forklifts are now commercialized and they're used by companies worldwide, um, you know, big companies like Walmart, Coca-Cola, USPS, the US Postal Service. Um, but also we're seeing um, hydrogen's benefits also in storage piece. Um, mm. Energy storage. Yeah, energy storage. Yes, exactly. So on the grid? On the grid, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential, uh, really, for hydrogen. Um, and, the, and one more thing is really hydrogen is a very flexible fuel. It really couples um, really well with a number of different technologies, including renewables. Mm -hmm. um, 
and as well as natural gas, of course. So right now, 95% of hydrogen is produced from natural gas. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of potential for hydrogen um, near term. Okay. So some of the things that uh, Blue Planet talks about with hydrogen is not just in the fuel cells, um, but also for cooking gas and replacing other things that we normally use natural gas for. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about the potential, you have hydrogen for energy storage to be used in fuel cells to make mm. electricity. Um, you have hydrogen that can be um, transportation fuel that you make from renewables. Yeah. So you don't have to import any fossil yes. fuels. And, and, and the economic piece of that is huge. Yeah. And I point out to people here in Hawaii where we're bringing in just billions of dollars of fuel to run yeah. our grid and our transportation sector. Yeah. Whereas if we are converting to hydrogen energy storage on the grid and hydrogen for transportation and agriculture, we would be incredibly impacted on our economic side positively by not having to, to import yeah. and let all that cash be leaving our state when we could be using solar yes. and wind and other energies and using the hydrogen to store it and use it when it's convenient, yeah. not just when you produce it. So. When, what are some of the things you look at for, I know you're working with um, Dave on the microgrid at, eight, at um, Hickam. Yeah. So what are some of the application advantages you see on a microgrid yeah. for uh, hydrogen energy storage? Yeah, so with hydrogen, well, so a few things. Um, so with this microgrid, um, so to start off, well, Hawaii is a very, um, very, interesting location in terms of, you know, its geographic isolation. It's an island. It's prone to natural disasters. Um, so in, in the case of a natural disaster, if the grid goes out, well, power is off, what do you do? So I think hydrogen has a lot of merits in that space um, because if you have this microgrid, um, it, it will, um, so it, could, it has the ability to island um, or island itself off from the grid and still provide power in the case of natural disaster or um, emergency. Uh, and then I think along with that, um, it also could um, couple with renewable energy uh, to provide, uh, to, to produce hydrogen um, and use it for the storage piece. Uh, so I, I think there's, in terms of uh, resiliency, I think uh, it's a bit, it definitely plays a big role also in terms of security, as you mentioned, right, we import, uh, in Hawaii here, we import a lot of our energy. Um, I think yesterday we did this calculation, it was about um, like $3.5 billion we import petroleum and mm -hmm. crude oil. Uh, so I mean, definitely um, there's really the security piece involved too. We could make, produce our own fuel using the natural resources we have, like solar and wind on this island. Mm -hmm. I think that could definitely, um, really be, definitely hydrogen has its merits in that, 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 that portion. Yeah, we look at, at, especially here in Hawaii, like you said, we're, we're isolated, yeah. but we do have seven major islands. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, Oahu doesn't have all of the availability for solar panels, we don't have the land mass, we have a lot of people here, and not as much open space and available space for a PV. But if you could produce, um, energy on the neighbor islands using geothermal or, or other wind or, or um, you know, other energy sources, or just more space for solar. Um, isn't hydrogen a lot easier to transport than like, you can have a barge full of batteries, yeah, yeah. you know, just by weight, it would sink the stupid barge. Yeah. 
Um, but transporting hydrogen is much more efficient than transporting electricity and batteries or building undersea cables to try and yeah. push the electricity between the islands. Is yeah. that something that, you know, you think is practical for HECO and the other electric oh. utilities to start employing? Yeah, yes, um, yes, actually, uh, at the DOE, you know, a lot of, um, we looked at onboard, uh, you know, storage of hydrogen, uh, even in its liquid form. Um, and then as well as uh, underground pipeline could also be an option. So yes, I, I do think those are potential uh, really some perhaps uh, methods of really bringing hydrogen to the island. Yeah. I know another thing that always comes up um, when I talk to people is hydrogen safety. Mm. And um, the first thing I, I say in response to, you know, when people say Hindenburg yeah. or they start freaking out about hydrogen bombs or whatever, I, I say, look, anytime you're storing energy, even in a battery, you have potential issues. You have potential for a fire. You have potential for a a short circuit that can spark an ignition to something. Anytime you're storing energy, you, you're, you're dealing with energy. I mean, the same energy that creates tsunamis and volcanoes and, you know, it's energy. You have to be careful with it. You have to treat it with respect. So we start there, but when you really think about it, hydrogen is actually a relatively safe energy storage medium um, compared to a lot of other ways we're thinking of storage, storing energy, especially on a large scale. Are, are there any special things that, that you run into, especially working with Department of Energy on the safety side? Yeah, um, so the DOE, part of, you know, the um, really uh, number of activities that DOE does uh, really addresses uh, safety, um, you know, uh, safety and regulate uh, codes and standards of hydrogen. Um, so, of course, uh, one of the really... Um, biggest hurdle about hydrogen is really the public perception of, you know, um, the, the safety of hydrogen. Um, so there's a number of outreach active education outreach activities we do. Um, you know, we we take the we have fuel cell cars where we take to the public. Um, we talk to politicians, students, uh, the general public, and we let them drive the car to experience it for themselves. Um, really, I think a lot of it is uh, for a lot of folks, it's really about seeing technology and knowing that's out there and it's safe. Uh, so I, I think that's really part of raising the awareness for hydrogen fuel cell technology. Hey, there's cars out there, there are buses, there are even trains now. So really, it, the technology is safe um, and, you know, folks could utilize it and people would just have to see it themselves. And that's actually one of our biggest outreach efforts at the DOE. And so you're going to continue that outreach yes. as HCAP? Yeah, I hope so. That That's my goal. Okay. Uh, I would like to get a fuel cell car and drive it around the island. Great. Yeah. Yep. All right. Nope. Well, we have the legislative session kicking off in a few months. Mm -hmm. And I know you're new in town, so I'll have to get out there and take you to the state capitol sometime and introduce you to some of our state uh, senators and, and representatives so that you can, um, you can actually get a head start and work with them because a lot of things are going to work on on bills that are coming up next session. They're already working on now. So between the Energy Policy Forum and uh, some folks at the state capitol, we'll get you to meet all of them and uh, we'll get you up to speed. Yeah, for sure. I look forward to that opportunity. Great. Yeah. I'd like to thank you again for being on the show today. I know that's um, quite stressful for you <laughs> to be sitting in front of a camera. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank but you. believe it or not, we blasted through 30 minutes. And uh, I appreciate you being here. So, all right, thank you, Stan. Um, that'll do it for this week on Stan Energy Man, and I, I thank all of you for joining us. And uh, we need to wish uh, Hans great luck 
at HCAT. She's a, a great addition to the team there. I know she's going to fit in perfectly because I know the whole team and I know she fits. But uh, look forward to big things coming from her. She'll probably be the lieutenant governor when Rachel James is the governor. So uh, look forward to her in politics in the future, too. So until next Tuesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, this is Stan the Energy Man signing off. Aloha. Thank you.